0: Aaron, I'm sorry, or you're welcome. <laughs> I cracked myself up. <clears throat> is Angie J here? I didn't see her. No? All right. We'll skip that part. But there is a new Bible verse. If you want to take one, they're in the back. Um, we do these memory verses. Angie did the artwork for this one uh, this month, and uh, it's Acts 4.12. So if you want to just grab these on your way out, um, they'll be available for the month of April. And it's just uh, kind of a tangible for you to be able to take this, put it on your mirror, or put it in your car, or whatever, so you can be reminded um, to memorize Scripture and be reminded of uh, who God is. And all that jazz. So grab one of these on your way out. Um, Let's just pray real quick. God, thank you for bringing us all here. God, I just uh, thank you that Asa reminded us that your spirit is here with us. And it's just up to us to open our eyes and to see your spirit here. God, I just pray that your spirit moves today and that you speak through us through your word. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So our verses for this week are Acts chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. I don't know what page that is in the Bible. I'm sorry. I wasn't as prepared as Aaron usually is. Um, But Acts chapter 4, 13 and 14 says this. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. So, Peter and John, uneducated men. I can see why Aaron gave me these verses. (laughs) He's not even here and he's busting my chops. When I uh, read this, I immediately thought of Forrest Gump, of course. I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is. You guys seen Forrest Gump before? That's immediately what came to mind. I don't know why, but uh, I just thought of these guys, Peter and John, who are uneducated, common men, but they recognize truth when they see it. This is a meaningful passage for me personally, Because, my mic keeps going out, uh, because I'm not an educated person. Um, I'm not a traditionally uh, trained pastor or minister. Um, I'm sure my parents are super proud of me for dropping out of college, but that's what I did. Um, I had a dream of rock and roll, like Aaron. um, We both dropped out of college to follow our dreams of rock and roll. And uh, you've probably heard Aaron talk about it before if you've been around much, but <clears throat> you may not know that that's how Aaron and I met um, back in 1998, I believe it was. Aaron and I, um, that's when we first met. He was in a band um, called Time for a Haircut, which is a ska band. And if you don't know what ska music is, Google it. Um, and he was a trumpet player. I brought some pictures of Aaron, little baby-faced Aaron right there. On the left, he played the trumpet. Um, I got another one of Aaron. Uh, There you can see him with his trumpet. Look at that young little baby. Oh, just a little guy. He was the oldest guy in that band, um, if you can believe that. And uh, so I worked... Uh, with this band called the Frady Cats. And I was this punk rock kid. I brought some pictures to show you. Oh, come on, Elijah. (laughs) Trina's like, do you always have to wear short shorts? But there's my band in uh, Kansas City. I'm there with the big pompadour and the Elvis sunglasses right in the middle. And uh, so I quit college to go follow my dreams of managing uh, rock bands and being kind of a punk rock kid. And clearly, God can use anybody because uh, he uses me. I'm not very educated. I don't know what I don't know, but and that's the good news. But I am confident that God has called me to serve him. And calling trumps everything. I honestly believe that. It doesn't matter how smart you are, how good-looking you are, how whatever you are, how nice your car is, how nice your house is. If God has not called you, it doesn't matter. But if God has called you, which he has, that is more important than everything. You can conquer anything. Through Christ, you can move mountains. And I honestly believe that. And I think that God loves that. He loves using messed up, broken, punk rock kids to share the gospel. God is amazing at using the hand that he's dealt. And he can make a royal flesh out of you. If you're willing to submit. So my first question when I read this passage was, why is education even part of the equation? Why are the Pharisees even worried why is it even mentioned that they're uneducated common men what does that even have to do with anything? are the Pharisees upset about the man being healed seems like odd to be upset about that are they mad that Peter and John are so bold to preach the gospel? Is it the fact that eyes are being open to the truth? Is it because people are listening to these two, Blue-collar fishermen. What are they so upset about? Here's the facts. The gospel is simple. It's when humans get involved that it gets confusing. I like to say that it's easy to become a Christian, but being a Christian is the hard part. The powers that be want to control knowledge. If they can control knowledge, they can control Everything. Knowledge is power, but knowledge in what? I mean, that's the real question in these verses. Like, what are they so concerned about? What knowledge are they trying to suppress? Clearly, the Pharisees and the Sadducees believed themselves to be knowledgeable. And they perceived that knowledge as being power. And Peter and John were messing with the status quo. If these two idiots can convince as many as ten thousand people in a couple days to follow Jesus, what happens when those people realize that the status quo is not contingent on traditional knowledge and power? What happens when those people go out and start telling their friends about Jesus? They realize that they gotta shut this down. They believe that they had the corner mark, or the market cornered on education. And as long as the religious leaders could oppress the people by making them believe that they had to go to them to receive knowledge, then all is well in the world. But Peter and John clearly demonstrate that the power to save and heal is not held in knowledge. It's held in Jesus Christ. Peter speaks of this in previous verses. He says in Uh, earlier in Acts chapter 4, that Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the Pharisees, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. Now, I'm not a builder. Jonathan's a builder. He can attest to this. But in ancient days, they would take a cornerstone, and this cornerstone had to be perfect because every wall was built Off this one stone. And the foundation was built because of this cornerstone. So it needed to be aligned perfectly. And if that cornerstone was askew. Then the whole building ended up being askew. If that cornerstone was missing. Then everything began to fall apart. And that's what is happening right before the Pharisees eyes. They're watching this whole thing crumble. Because they're missing the cornerstone. I kind of feel sorry for the Pharisees. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation in your life where you realized everything that you've believed is no longer true. That's what's happening right now. Everything that they believed and everything that makes them valuable and important is being taken away right before their very eyes. I'm not sure if they realized it leading up to this point, but they're It's coming into focus right now. That people are seeing and hearing truth for the first time. And everything that they've devoted their lives to is just crumbling right before them. Jesus was rejected by the religious leaders. And Peter and John point out that all the knowledge in the world is useless without Christ. It's useless without the purpose for the knowledge. Very much what Asa was saying today. They had the answer, but they didn't know why. They didn't know the why. They didn't understand it. And it doesn't matter how much you know, if you don't know why, you know it. And I, can, I just want to point something out. Asa and I, did we talk about what you were going to talk about No, I sent him an email and I said, just do whatever. And we'll let God figure it out. This is in my notes. It says, it doesn't matter how much you know if you do not know why you know it. I can just walk away. I have a mic that can drop, unlike Aaron's last week. But this isn't an ancient problem. This is a modern problem. This is a problem that we still struggle with even today. This isn't something that went away with Peter and John and Acts. This is something that still happens. So I thought it was interesting. Um, I thought, well, let's just look up some things on the interwebs. So I looked at Wikipedia, and I wanted to look and see, what is the most educated states in the United States? New England is the most educated part of the country. Massachusetts, Maryland, Connecticut, New England states, most educated. Least educated states? Any guesses? Texas. Texas. <laughs> Sorry, man. Aces from Texas. <laughs> Mississippi? Number one. West Virginia, Arkansas, Arkansas as I like to call it. I'm uneducated. Um And so I looked up, what are the most Christian states? Which states identify themselves as being most Christian? Mississippi. The dumbest state is the most Christian state? What's the least Christian states? Massachusetts, Maine, New England. I don't know. I feel like there's something there. This is not something that we just stopped dealing with. This is something that continues to happen. I'm not against education, but why are we educated? Are we educated in Christ so that we can go and share that message and be more prepared to share the gospel? Are we educated so that we can oppress people with our knowledge? I think it's so like God that the most uh, uneducated state would be the most faithful state in the United States. Friends, you cannot learn faith. Somebody cannot teach you in a book or a webinar or something else that faith is real. This is something that you just have to believe. You can strengthen your faith. You can add to your faith. But you cannot teach someone to believe. And Peter and John know this and the Pharisees do not. This is how God rules. And this is how we encounter God in our world. And I kind of like to think that God and Jesus were sitting, you know, like at their, on their thrones in heaven watching this take place with Peter and John where the boldness of Peter is confronting these guys and they're like high-fiving, you know, <laughs> Jesus and God are like, high-five, look what we've done. It's all being revealed. It's all happening. This is a God thing to do. Is to take uneducated common men and have them transform the world. It says in 1 Corinthians 126 and 20 through 29 for consider your calling brothers not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. When you use uneducated, common men, people look to God because they can't believe it. And I think that's a beautiful thing. So, I want to break this down just a little bit further. I love that in Acts chapter uh, 4, verse 13, it says, When they, the religious leaders, saw the boldness of Peter and John, this word boldness is important here. There's a reason why this is here. Where did this boldness that Peter exhibits come from? Where's the confidence come from? So last week we spoke at our house church, and I just got to give a little plug to house churches real quick. Um, Paul Harvey, you Remember? Whenever I leave house church, I kind of think to myself, and that's the rest of the story. If you're only coming, getting the first part of the story, the rest of it happens at house church. But so we were at house church last week, and we had um, Katie Hill was there, and man, she is sharp as a whip, and she pointed out that Peter has always been bold. This is not a new thing for Peter. So I'm going to give Katie the credit where credit's due. But we see boldness in Peter all throughout the Gospels. He was bold. He was bold enough to tell Jesus not not to wash his feet. Do you guys remember that story? It's like, come on, dude. If Jesus is going to wash your feet... This is towards the end of his ministry. I mean, he's seen a lot of things. And Jesus says, I'm going to wash your feet. You just say, okay, wash my feet. But Peter says, you ain't touching my feet. But then he quickly changes his mind and he says, okay, wash everything. (laughs) So he's bold enough to tell Jesus no. That's not the only time he told Jesus no. There's a story where Jesus is talking to them and Peter to Jesus. And what is Jesus' response? We're good? Okay. So um, Peter has the gall to talk back to Jesus. And what does Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. I mean, for real, this guy is you know what I won't say it because it's church, but you can imagine. Um, he was bold enough to cut the ear off a soldier that was coming to arrest Jesus. He was bold when he denied Christ. I mean, people had seen him with Christ, and he was bold enough to lie about it. The problem is, his boldness was misplaced in all these places, and now, his boldness is aligned so let's rewind just about six weeks in the story this is a flashback it says when jesus is being arrested it says jesus answered him if what i say is wrong bear witness about what is wrong but what if but if i say what is right why do you strike me annas i don't know is that his name the chief priest, I'm not an educated man. <laughs> um, Anna sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, You also, also are one of his disciples, aren't you? And he denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man who, whose ear Peter cut off, asked him, I Did I not see you in the garden with him? And P, Peter again denies it, and the rooster crowed. So, I want to point this out because Annas sounds wrong, but I think that's how you say it. Um, Annas and Caiaphas are these two high priests that are arresting Jesus and are holding him um, ready to crucify him. They're in charge of all the beatings and everything that Jesus endures leading up to the crucifixion. And who is it that's accusing Peter and John? Who is it that's brought them there? Annas and Caiaphas. These are this, I, this blows my mind. This boldness of Peter blows my mind because they saw these two dudes kill their best friend and their Messiah. They know what these guys are capable of. And Peter is standing in front of them, busting their chops, holding them accountable for what they're doing. I'm baffled because I'm not sure that I could do that. I could not watch somebody kill somebody that I cared about, that I devoted my life to, and then turn around and confront them and try to teach them a lesson. It blows my mind, and it should blow you. Peter and John knew full well what these men were capable of doing. They knew that these men could just have them struck down right there. It's a pretty bold move to call out these same guys that killed the Messiah. So where does this boldness come from? This boldness comes from the Holy Spirit. He's bold because he has the Spirit of God, and his boldness is perfectly aligned. Before, his boldness was misguided, but God uses this boldness in this man to teach, to raise, to encourage, to love To spread the gospel. The Spirit. The Spirit takes all of us, all the good, the bad, all of our insecurities, everything that we have, all of our baggage, and it says, I can work with this. I can make something out of this. This may seem like a mess to everybody else, but I got this. The Spirit says, I got you. I can make something out of you. And he says that with Peter. It says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Because the world neither sees him nor knows him. Sees him or knows him. Our eyes have been opened. You know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be with you. This spirit can change your mess into something that will change the world. Peter's like, I'm not a smart man, but I know who God is. This same spirit that has emboldened Peter to stand up to the Pharisees is available to you, and to me. But without faith, you cannot receive it or understand it. And when you receive the Spirit, you receive a calling. You receive a purpose. And your calling, I want you to hear this, your calling, your purpose is not contingent on your education. It's not contingent on how good looking you are. Or how well you can speak, or what color your skin is, or the clothes that you wear, the job that you have, the car that you have, the Spirit of God gives you a calling that surpasses everything in this world. It'll take you to places you never imagined, do things you've never thought possible if you're willing to submit. Nothing can stop the Spirit of God that lives inside of you except for you. You are the only roadblock that's preventing the Spirit of God moving throughout you. God's calling you today to be bold, to let your insecurities down. I'm not, I, I don't look at myself as a good speaker, I'm not a smart person but I feel empowered by the Spirit to share with you all. Be bold. We can sit on our hands all day and not change our world, or we can take the Spirit that God's given us, open up the door, and allow the Spirit to move. So I want you just to stop for a minute. Just bow your heads with me for a second. If you're a believer and you've put your faith in Christ but you're keeping the spirit at bay. Today's the day. I'm calling you out. Put aside your insecurities. Give them to God. There's so many things that we can do and so many excuses that we can come up with where we say, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not whatever enough. And God's saying, listen, my spirit can take that and make something out of it. The Spirit of God wants to use you today. It wants to move in your life. It wants to change you into something else. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 it says this, and this is my blessing and my prayer for you. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold Not like Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted. Because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, Beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. My friends, the Spirit wants to move in you. And my prayer for you is that you would welcome the Spirit in. It's all around us, as Asa's taught us, it's here. It's available. It's time. Would you join me in letting our guard down, giving our insecurities to Christ and saying, we may not be smart, but the spirit of God can work with me. I've got something to offer.